Welcome to Beyond the Field, your property finance and general discussion podcast series powered by Money Empire. We're a team of financial advisors here to help you tick off your property and finance goals. When we say Beyond the Field, we mean this to be beyond whatever field you're used to. So kick back, relax and enjoy the podcast. My name is Kane, and I'm here with Lisa Barton, who is Young Gun Advisor of the Year for Money Empire. Lisa, how are you? Good. How are you guys going? It's good to talk to the guru itself. It's almost like a <laughs> myth, but you're here. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. I um, today <laughs> we want to. <laughs> you did. Today we want to talk. Um, about first home buyers because obviously you're very, very good in this space um, and you know what you're talking about. Um, so firstly, for a first home buyer that's listening, let's just talk about the process over lockdown. So let's just talk about if uh, first home buyers come to you, you've got everything sorted, what is the process around um, if they were to settle in lockdown, where the banks are at and what sort of some free advice you can give out there? Um, so if they if they were about to settle, obviously due to level four, they're not allowed to um, move as such. Um, if everybody agrees upon settlement, they could do that, but uh, but that gets sorted through the lawyers anyway. Um, but I have had a couple of clients that were due to settle um, in the last two weeks, which now has been deferred until level three. So it's just obviously you've probably got your whole house packed up ready to move but it's just kind of dependent on level three so I guess just remain positive um, you can still settle it'll just be a matter of level once it hits level three make sure you've got everything on order ready to go ready to move book the moving truck um, as soon as you can um, but the banks are still working settlements can still go through it's just a matter of when the government changes us to level three so the issue is with if, if a, a first-time buyer is settling inside level four, the pre-inspection for settlement can't take place physically, so you can't take that off. And probably like you said, you can't have external movers help you move and then the current owners of that property move out. So it, it's a trigger effect. That's why we know now in level four, they're selling purchases in the clause to say, look, it will get deferred till going down a settlement, uh, going down a level, sorry. Yeah, so all, all sale and purchase agreements, obviously, since COVID last year has the new clause in it around COVID if it was to come back, which it has, then all settlements get deferred to level three. Um, and like you say, it's just a trigger effect on, you know, you, you want to move, but then someone else has to move out of that property if it's not vacant. Then if you want to get movers, if you don't need, if you don't have enough people to help. So it's kind of, um, there's a lot of people involved in helping you move um, and, so we, it, like you said about the pre-purchase um, and uh, pre-settlement inspection, sorry, uh, they can't be done. And obviously, you want to do those to ensure the house is in the standard that you thought you were buying it in anyway. Um, so as long as you've got that clause in there to be able to get that pre-settlement inspection done, and then you can settle as soon as possible um, once the lawyer gives you the go-ahead. So I am a first high buyer, and. Um, I'm starting my journey as in I think I've got enough deposit, I want to buy my first home, but we're in level four. What is some advice you can give to these types of people around what they 
should start their journey to do because a lot of people just wave the red flag or um, a white flag and say, oh, I can't do anything. But what would you do or you advise to do in this situation? I think if you feel like you're in a good position and you feel like you've got the deposit there and your income is sound, um, like your, your employment is stable, then there's no harm in contacting someone like myself to be able to review the process and get the um, get get it all started. So we're still working, the banks are still working, but obviously it's we're all working from home. So if you feel like you're in that position, you've got the sound deposit, you're your income is regular, you're not really affected by COVID, um, then there's no harm in applying and seeing what we can do. And then once, if we can submit approval now, like if it's viable now to submit something, then we can go ahead and submit it. Um, The banks at the moment is taking around eight to 10 working days to get a response back. And then come level three, level two, whenever that goes down, then you're ready and you can go actively make offers um, on properties. So it just if you if you think you're ready, or if you just even if you're unsure and you have a few questions, um, then feel free to contact us because we're here. We're still working. We're working from home, um, so we can still have a look at the process. So what you're saying, Lisa, is that don't make the mistake of of jumping on Trade Me and falling in love with the property and having no idea what you can borrow. So start the journey by engaging with someone like yourself and as, as an advisor, go through the process of getting a pre-approval, go through the process of understanding the whole process of buying a property and, and what comes with that and all your added costs and the journey that's on its way because it's not just a journey that happens in a day, um, it can take no, time. Yeah. Um, and then when you have all that, then when you have all the education and understanding from someone like yourself, then to start to look on Trade Me once you've got a pre-approval so you know what your purchase range is. Yeah, totally. You need to understand what you can afford um, in this current market. Mm-hmm. Obviously, houses are selling at crazy prices, so you need to understand the level of lending that you can obtain. Um, obviously, the bank's criteria is changing. It's forever changing. It can change every day, week, month, whenever. Um, so if you think you're in the position, do it now because things are changing and there will be more changes come later in the year. But it's best to, if you are looking at getting in the property journey, it's best to understand your full financial position um, so then you know exactly what kind of ballpark figure you're working with to obtain a first home. And if there's any other changes. I know you don't have a crystal crystal ball. We're in level four now. What's your thoughts on the property market and maybe the mortgage market, as to what happens when we go to level three and then level two and then level one for a first-time buyer? I think I've still got people making offers on properties, you know, virtually. Um, So I think the market will still be steady post-level four. It will just be a matter of how quickly finance and things like that can get turned around. So that's why even though we're in level four, if you're in a position to buy a first home, get in now you know, and start engaging with someone like us so then we can actually get that process because I think the market will still remain the same as it is now. There are still a lot of active buyers out there, both first-home buyers and investors, second, you know, uh, families upgrading. So I think it will remain steady. Um, And obviously summertime is coming, so I can't really see it dropping off anytime soon. As long as we have an undersupply of property and an oversupply of buyers, we'll never have an issue, right? Yeah. So you need to 
make sure you square everything off to be ready to purchase that home. Uh, what I will say, and I've heard you say it before, is the amount of times someone comes to you with a property first that they really like and the auction's in a week or they need to make an offer but they have nothing else sorted. It becomes a huge issue, right, because they're emotionally connected already and but they don't have their ducks in a row around finance, so that becomes a problem. It does, and that's why a lot of first-home buyers are missing out because they are looking at a property first, falling in love with a property first, and then they don't have their finance. And with auctions, you have to have all your finance unconditionally approved, all your checks done um, before you can even go bid at the auction. And if you come to me or an advisor and say the auction is three days away, there's a it's highly unlikely that we'll be able to get an approval in that time frame. Um, so that's why it's important to get your finance approval underway and sorted before you start actively looking and falling in love with those properties that you might see on TradeMe or realestate.co.nz. I'm going to throw it at you. What are some of your common questions that you get asked from a first home buyer? How much can I afford? What are the repayments? Um, what deposit do I need? Um, why uh, will will my student loan affect my loan application? I've got X amount of short-term debt. Is that going to affect the application? Um, can I use child support? as income i've only been in my job two months can i still get a mortgage those are kind of like the general my parents want to give me my parents want to give me a deposit will this help yeah um can my parents go guarantor there uh, i can imagine you'll get a list of them which um is great tell me is it very common for a first home buyer to engage with you and want to know how much they can borrow and what the mortgage repayments are, but completely forget they've got to pay for rates, they've got to get insurance, whether it's house contents and also personal risk to cover them, and they forget about all those added costs that go with owning a property? Yeah, they. some of them, some, some clients have, have no idea in regards to the other costs involved. Um, so obviously when we go through our client detail form with the clients, we ask about the house and contents and rates and everything like that. And they say, oh, we're not paying that. But that will come when you buy your first home. Um, and that's part of the household living costs. And then also the cost of... And that's you... part of them engaging. Yeah. that's Sorry, that's part of them engaging in your journey too. You, you actually making them aware of that and helping them through that process and obtaining all the relevant costs that go with it. Yeah, and aside from those household costs additional to um, to the mortgage, you've got the the costs involved to get a property, so a valuation report, a building report, a limb report, um, and you might miss out on the first, second, third, sometimes the fifth home, so those reports can add up as well. So it's always good to have a little bit of extra money aside to cover those costs. And lastly, any tips or tricks that you can share as a young gun advisor of the year to your clientele? I think the main thing for my first home buyers is build habits. So that is whether um, it, it could be as small as building a savings habit of, you know, you start small and slowly increase it or spending habits. Make sure you're looking at your finances um on the regular so whether it's weekly fortnightly checking the app you know being engaged with your finances to see where you're spending your money um seeing if you can structure your bank accounts a different way um 
just yeah I think the main thing is building a habit a lot of people kind of rely on KiwiSaver or if they've got if they're fortunate enough to have family to help um, but then they come with little uh, amount of savings so if you can build a habit of savings um, and right now level four COVID it's so important and it makes you realize that you need to have savings um, in the bank you know if if something like this does happen so I think build saving, uh, build habit of savings, review your finances re- often so you know where you're at, so you're not just spending whenever on whatever. Absolutely. And um, I think you might touch on it, but account conduct is so key for individuals, right, to make sure that they're not going into overdrafts, they're not gambling, um, all that kind of stuff, which banks will look into and actually see as a negative and start saying, well, no, I'm not really keen to lend on this, especially with what you touched on with potentially what's going to come out later this year, even tighter regimes on obtaining debt or mortgages. Yeah, and I think with that as well, as a lot of people are now, you know, a common thing is people use afterpay or lay-by. So that's classed now as a regular expense. So if you are using that every week, every fortnight, every month, then the banks will actually go back and see history on that. That's same as gambling or if you are going into an unarranged overdraft on your account if you don't have an overdraft facility. So all of those things can affect your account conduct and conduct and ability to borrow money. Um, and I think I had a question the other day from a client, first home buyer, that they've never had a credit card or don't have a credit history. That's not always a bad thing. Um I guess, you know, they've been in the mindset that if they want something, then they will save for it and buy for it, you know, buy it um, with their own money, which is always good. So you don't necessarily need to go and get a small credit card or some kind of debt to show a credit history. Um, so don't feel like you need to go and do that. If, you know, if, you th- if, you've, if you're good and you have the ability to save and go and buy the things, then that's good too, you know. It's just a matter of how we, um, I guess, portray and understand your position and, and, and let the bank know um, why you never chose to get a short-term debt or something like that. Absolutely. Um, Lisa, it's always exceptional to have you on here and pass your wise words of wisdom to all people that are listening. But I must say, if you're a first-time buyer that's got no idea looking to get into the market, you've got to see this girl. She's the best of the best. Um, she creates a great journey and a great experience for an individual um, and also to her understanding of probably someone's knowledge coming in, with, which was very bare, is awesome. So Young Gun Advisor of the Elisa Button, it's always a pleasure, never a chore. <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast today. For more info on this podcast and a heap more, Check us out on Beyond the Field on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. And hit the subscribe button. Take the reins of your future and feel empowered with Beyond the Field.